Amen. So we're excited for our sermon series, Peeled. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to go right into the Word of God. John chapter 8, John chapter 8. Amen. John chapter 8. We are excited about our family and friends day. Can we get excited about our family and friends day? Amen. Amen. I'm excited to be able to meet some of the family and friends that are here on today. Uh, we are just been ecstatic about this, this day. So John chapter 8. John chapter 8. If I can get a little more volume, I'd be good. John chapter 8, starting here at verse 1. John chapter 8. Y'all going to have to pray for me because as, as I was preparing this message, uh, we, we, this is probably Family Friends Day. And so now the, now the Lord gave me this text, and I'm like, okay, you want something very exciting and jubilant for Family and Friends Day. Uh, but you got to do what God tells you to do. Amen. So we're going to go to John chapter 8, starting here at verse 1, and it reads, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them, and he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law, and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, but they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stood, stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the midst of the crowd with the women. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Don't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus answered, neither do I go and sin no more. I want to talk to you from the subject of thought, a gentle interruption. Everyone shout, a gentle interruption. Yeah, a gentle interruption. So, so we're currently in this series, Peeled, What's Under Your Skin? In this series, we're talking and looking at the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. We begin with love and we discuss how we receive God's love vertically and we must love and extend that love horizontally. Then we discuss joy and how in order for us to experience the joy of the Lord, we need to identify the joy killers in our lives. Then we continued with peace and how the peace of God will keep our mind in the world that's constantly sowing seeds of fear and confusion. Next, we discuss patience and how patience can be one of the most challenging fruits of the spirit to cultivate. But it's hard to wait on God and others sometimes when it seems like our W-A-I-T on God sometimes feel like a W-E-I-G-H-T on us. Then we moved on to kindness and kindness and how Christ calls us to be kind to one another, even people who do us wrong and even people who don't look like us. Next, we discuss goodness and how God has called us to be good to our neighbor and those in need. 
We, we live in a world where we think goodness can be attained by works, but goodness is not a quality we can manufacture on our own. We need God every single day. On our last uh, Sunday, our, our founding lead pastor talked about faithfulness and how when we aren't faithful to God, he is sure enough faithful to us. And so as I, as I shared today, many of us tend to look at this list of characteristics in Galatians 5, 22 to 23 as different fruits of the spirit. But my brothers and sisters, if you look at this word, it said it is the fruit of the spirit. It isn't plural, but single, singular, meaning that fruit, one fruit, not many fruits or different types of fruits. So, so this shows us that Christ has called us to have the fruit of the spirit because the reality is it, it, is, it is the totality that the Christ is continually working in our lives. You cannot have goodness without having love. You can't have love without having patience. They're all going together and working together. And so now we come to the eighth attribute of the fruit of the Spirit, which is gentleness. Everybody shout gentleness. Everybody shout gentleness. Okay, so when I first heard this word uh, gentleness and, and thought about this message, gentleness, the first thing that came to my mind uh, was my wife and our, our, our five-month-old son. And so when he was born, I was there in the delivery room. I didn't pass out. I was standing strong in the Lord. And so uh, I was there with my wife. And, uh, and as soon, soon as the baby came and my wife held the baby, it was time for me to hold the baby. And, and I was holding on. I was like, this baby is so gentle. I want to make sure I don't want to hurt this baby. That was the first thing that came to my mind when I I thought of the word gentle. The next thing that came to my mind when I thought of gentleness was a teddy bear. Now, who would have thought that when you have a child, you have a house full of, of, of stuffed animals? And so, so, so we have a house. Thank you so much, Maria. We appreciate it. She sent us uh, so, some, uh, some gifts as well. But, but, but the, we, we have all these different uh, uh, bears and things of that nature in our house. And, and we, when we look at a bear, we think, oh, this thing is pretty gentle. This is the, the thing that, that, that gets us excited. It's very tender. It's very uh, guiltless. It's, 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 it's gentle. Well, okay, uh, if you all can amuse me for a second, I was watching TV, and uh, when I was watching TV, uh, I was watching TV, and uh, the TV commercial uh, Charmin came on, and they were advertising a new brand, a new brand of uh, toilet paper, and um, it's called Soft Angel and Ultra Soft. And, um, uh, and y'all, they say that this toilet paper is soft, is light, and more gentle than others. I wish everybody in Lancaster was really taking heed of that during the pandemic, but that's a whole nother thing. This is what we call gentle. That's another thing. So, so, um, uh, so another thing uh, we find as gentle, so when my wife and I got married, uh, our sister-in-law, Shantae, and uh, my brother-in-law, Kevin, uh, they bought us uh, some fine china. Mm -hmm. uh, they bought it. I'm not going to throw this. Uh, 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 we got this, and uh, uh, this is some fine china. And so whenever we use this fine china, it, we only use it during special occasions, only when we had date night in the house. But, but the reality is after we use it, it goes right back in this box because it's gentle. So, so, so we, have, we have all these things that we call gentle. We, we, we have all these different things that we want to uh, label as gentle. Gentleness is not a word that we hear every day today, especially in our world. And we are told to be strong, stern, aggressive, and seek revenge on what we need to do. 
But, but I believe we fail to understand the true meaning of gentleness because when it comes to gentleness, I believe many of us will get offended when someone describes us as gentle. Gentleness also is translated as meekness. Meekness does not mean weakness. Rather, it involves humility and thankfulness towards God and politeness and restrained behavior towards others. And also, it is the opposite of gentleness is anger, desire for revenge, and self-exaltation. Those are the opposites of gentleness. At the core of gentleness is meekness and humility. Why? Because gentleness and meekness is simply strength or power under control. The definition brings us to the scene of our text this morning. And our text begins early in the morning when the crowd has gathered in the temple courts to hear Jesus. And the feast of the tabernacle has now come to an end, which meant that the crowd could still be in Jerusalem. As Jesus teaches, he is suddenly interrupted by the crowd of men surrounding an embarrassed woman. These men are insistent on pushing their way through the crowd until they and the woman stands before Jesus. These men are interrupting Jesus and they begin accusing this woman of sinning, committing adultery. As we as we see this text, we see that they begin to accuse this woman of sinning. And Jesus said, he who is without song, cast the first stone. Jesus begins to write in the sand and each one of the men who accused this woman of sinning begin to leave the scene. In our text, even though the men are bringing this woman aggressive and aggressively interrupts Jesus, Jesus gently interrupts the situation. He gently interrupts the situation by gently disturbing the accusers. Everybody shout, gently disrupting the accusers. Yes, he is gently disrupting the accusers. Who, who are the men in the text? Who, who are these accusers? The text says that they are scribes. They are teachers of the law. They are Pharisees. They are religious leaders of the Jewish people. That meant they were educated men. They were well-known. They were men of reputable wisdom and high moral standards. If anyone had the questions about the law of Moses, they were the men who had the answers. You would have thought that these would be men, these scribes, these Pharisees. You thought that they would be gentle and men full of grace. But these are men who went to church and studied the scriptures, but they seek to entrap Jesus and using this woman as bait. These are men who went to church and read the scriptures, but the reality is they didn't live what they learned in the scriptures. My brothers and sisters, last time I held before you two fruits, and when I held you those two fruits, both of them, the reality is both of them uh, look good. They, they look healthy, but one was brand new. It was healthy, and the other one was rotting on the inside. You know, uh, my wife and I, we're now trying to give our son uh, some solid foods, and so we're starting off with uh, apples. And so we're starting off with apples, and uh, uh, my wife doesn't just get any type of apples. They have to be organic apples, so y'all remember that, a- organic apples. And so, uh, so, so, so this is an organic apple, and, and so when we got this apple, uh, the reality is when my wife began to get... I'm, I'm scared I'm going to cut myself, but that's okay. Uh, I... I, I, I she, she, she said, okay, Rodney, can you cut the apples for me? So I was beginning to cut the apples. And when I began to cut the apples, I saw something on the ends that looked interesting. They were fresh. They were good. They were, they were, they, I, I even had a piece. They were right for you to eat, but there was something interesting on the inside. 
that's different from fake fruit. The, the difference was on the inside is that there is a seed on the inside of this. The seed is not just there just for me really to eat it. Maybe you eat it, God bless you, but I don't, I don't eat the seed. The, it, the seed is here for me to reproduce this very thing, to create more. So my question to you and my brothers and sisters is, if someone was to cut your life, would they be able to see something that can produce joy, something that can produce peace, something that can produce love, something that can produce gentleness? If you were to cut these Pharisees like a fruit, they would just be like fake fruit, poisonous if you eat it. That the Pharisees didn't just have uh, just, just didn't have one, but the reality is these men had multiple things in their life that was against what God had called them to do. These Pharisees did not just have one gentle bone in their body. As Jesus is teaching, these men are aggressively interrupting Jesus, and the text says that they caught this woman in the act of adultery. Some of your Bibles will, or translations will say they caught her in the very act of adultery. So some of your Bibles will say that, which meant that they aggressively interrupted the woman and now they bring this woman and aggressively interrupt Jesus. The religious leaders brought this woman in the midst of a shame-filled, humiliating circumstance and she was held against her will and the prisoners had holding her captive and showing her that she was involved with another man who was not her husband. Now, now, during the time of our text, the law of Moses communicates that, uh, that, uh, that adultery was a capital offense under the Jewish law. Even though leaders were right within the law, they were not godly with their intentions in the particular text. Now, I told you in the beginning, the opposite of gentleness is anger, a, a desire for rage and self-exaltation. The text says they did this to test Jesus. They brought this woman to Jesus to test Jesus to see if he was going to accuse her. They wanted to trap Jesus because if he would have said, let her go, then he would have seen that he would have broken the law of Moses. If he would have said, execute her for the crime of adultery, then Jesus would have seemed harsh and perhaps cruel. Also, he would have broken the Roman law during the time of our text because Romans had been taking the right of execution away from the Jewish leaders. So instead of Jesus accusing her or executing her or letting her go, he switched the attention from the woman to now to the men. The text shows us here, he says that the men presented this woman as a sinner before Jesus, but they ignored their own sin in the matter. So, so Jesus interrupts these men and gently uh, disturbs them by responding in a gentle spirit. These men thought that Jesus would respond in weakness, but, but he's responding with meekness. And the reality is Jesus could have been upset. He had the right to be upset because here these, uh, these Pharisees are trying to test Jesus. But Jesus says, he was without sin. You cast the first stone. But by simply asking the question, he gently disturbs them by asking a question by disturbing them internally. As I shared with you externally, these men were known for being men of wisdom and high moral standards, but internally, they were men who didn't live the lives that they preached. Jesus didn't stop there. He continued to disturb the men, and he stooped down, began to write in the sand, and some theologians don't know what he actually wrote. The text shows us that he stooped down, and he began to write. Some Scholars believe that he began to write the names of all of the people, of all the accusers and the sin they had commuted. 
Some have other ideas of what Jesus wrote. None of us know what Jesus wrote, but all we know is that the, he hit the men on the inside. The Bible says that Jesus stooped and he began to stoop and he began to write. And you know, him stooping down indicates humility. Jesus didn't react with anger or outrage. He didn't scream at the woman or those who brought the woman. No, Jesus paused and got on his knees. The next thing I understand about Jesus stooping is that it is a low posture. He is showing himself identifying humiliation just like with the woman. Jesus says, I identify with you. I care for you. I am easy with you in the midst of your embarrassment. What are you simply saying, pastor? I'm glad you asked. What Jesus is simply saying, in the midst of your accusers, God said, I will be with you down there. As he stooped down and he began to rope, the Bible tells us that his accus- the people who was accusing this woman really didn't realize what was going on. They were uh, beginning to, as Jesus began to write, they began to get convicted by their own conscience. They were convicted by what they heard and by what they saw. And the Bible says they began to leave one by one. So, So not only did Jesus gently disrupt the accusers, he gently interrupted this particular scene in the text by gently confronting, or excuse me, by gently comforting the accused. Everybody shout, gently comforting the accused. The Bible says in Galatians 1, he says, Brothers, if any of you are caught in transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch for yourselves, lest you be tempted. As I get ready to close, there are three powerful points and I wasn't going to be long. There are three powerful points in this particular text. Let me show it to you. The first thing is, the first thing is, the first thing is, is that she stands before him. Look at the text. Look at the text. The Bible says that the accusers, they leave one by one, starting from the oldest. They leave the scene. And as soon as all her accusers leave the scene, she stands before Jesus. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters, that when you stand before Jesus, All of those who accuse you will have to leave your presence because you stand before a holy God. He, here, he, we see you, he's, she's standing before. This is the, this is the first time in the text that we hear the posture of this woman. All you hear is that she is brought forth to Jesus because of the scribes and the Pharisees. And I would have, if I had pictured in my mind, she is coming in a low moment and probably stooping down on her knees asking for mercy. But the Bible says now that her accusers are gone, she stands before Jesus. And Jesus asked her this question, where are your accusers? Isn't that interesting? He, he, he gently comforts the accused by simply asking her, where are the people who accuse you? Because the reality is you can't look at somebody else without looking at yourself. My grandmothers used to say, if you pointed at someone, you have four fingers pointing back at you. But, but not only is she standing before Jesus, the last thing he says is so powerful. He said, go and sin no more. I don't know about you, my brothers and sisters. As I look at this particular text, I see that gentleness is connected to grace. Because I don't know about you, but grace found me when he gently interrupted me. Let me say that one more time. I say grace found me when he gently interrupted me. I don't know about you, but if you look back over your life and the accusers that you had and the sin that you had, if it had not been, 
for Jesus coming and gently interrupting you, would you have found grace? The Bible says that he is at the door knocking. He says only those who open the door let him in. He's gently knocking at the door. He's interrupting what you're doing. But God said in that moment, that's where you find grace. So you may say, Pastor Rodney, what does this particular text have to do for grace? Number one, number one, I learned is that grace puts others first. It doesn't act like they put others first. It's actually putting others first. That's what gentleness does. Number two, gentleness doesn't hate or throw away insults. As you look at coming to church one day and looking good, looking fly, got your wig on right, got your teeth in, and he got your right shoes on. No, 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 no. It doesn't throw insults at anyone. It is being sure of who you are. But gentleness also remembers that we're all sinners. Because the Bible says, for the wage of sin is death, but it is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God has still called us to be gentle. Next thing I learned is that gentleness extends grace. Who has God called you to extend grace to? Because the reality is we still must extend grace to others because Christ extended grace to us. And lastly, this is the lesson that Jesus teaches us in this text, is that gentleness is a soft answer. Jesus could have responded in rage and outrage to these people, but at the core of who Jesus was, Jesus says, he who is without sin, you cast the first stone. That's how Jesus interrupts. So as we prepare to close today, as we prepare to close, I want every eye close. There may be someone here today who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, Jesus wants to gently interrupt your life. He said, I love you so much that you might have life and have it that more abundantly. Christ says, I want to gently interrupt you to let you know I have grace and love for you that no one else can give. You may be just like the the woman who was accused, who was brought in the midst of adultery. You may say, how can I stand before a holy God? But Christ says, where are your accusers? If you come to me, you can leave this place and be different. So if you're here today and you've never given your life over to Jesus Christ, You want to have a a brand new life in him. It's simple. Put your trust in him and let him change your life. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, if you walked away from Christ and you want to have a relationship with him, all you have to do is pray this simple prayer. Everyone, let's pray this prayer together. Father, I come in need of Jesus. I recognize that I am a sinner in need of you. Today, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and rose again with all power in his hand. Today, I believe I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. So, Father, I thank you for gently interrupting my life. And today, I'm new. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise? Come on, let's give God praise. Amen.